In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not know love does not know God, for God is love. Join hands, disciples of the faith, whatever your race may be, who serves my father as his child is surely kin to me. It is a privilege for me to stand here and address you at the Cathedral Church of the Advent on a Confirmation Sunday. I know there are a good many um, young people who are anxiously awaiting this sermon to be over so they can get on with things and be confirmed. I'm, I'm mostly going to talk to you today, those of you who are being confirmed and they turn the lights down here so I can't really see who you are. If you're being confirmed, raise your hand. Okay, all up in front. Okay, good. Thank you. The rest of y'all can listen in if you would like. <laughs> or you can um, count the windows or see how many boards there are in the ceiling or find the oldest hymn in the hymnal. That is one Sunday morning long ago how I found out that the name of the tune of the hymn we just sang is my middle name, McKee. It must have been a long, terrible sermon for me to find that. (laughs) Speaking to those about to be confirmed who are 11 and 12 and 13 years old, right? A long time ago, I was 11 and 12 and 13 years old, not all at the same time. I started off by being 11. And in that year, I was confirmed by the Bishop of Mississippi in a big old church, sort of like this, which was never ever crowded, very unlike this. My brother and sister had been confirmed before me. It seemed like the thing to do. Mom expected me to be confirmed. It wasn't worth the fight. And so I went to all the confirmation classes. I don't remember much about the confirmation classes. I remember that we had to learn the Ten Commandments in order. We had to memorize the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. And the priest who prepared us for confirmation kept telling us that the bishop would come and examine us in the faith. He would ask us all those questions in the back of the prayer book, the old prayer book. And so we were nervous about that for a long time. The first, some of you who were confirmed in the 1928 book may remember that the first question is, what is your name? John Maury Allen, brand new Bishop of Mississippi, came for his first class of confirmation. I could not have known then what I know now. He was as nervous as we were. And he sat us all down in a room and began the catechism. What is your name? And we each said our name. He said, okay, that's good enough for me. (laughs) Thank you for being willing to be confirmed. Thank you for taking another step in your faith, in our church, 
And who knows what will happen to you next? Who knows where you will be when you're an old gray man like myself? You could be right here. You could be one of those old people in the back, proud of their child or grandchild being confirmed. Who knows? It is something of a mystery to me that I am here. When I was 11 years old and 12, Mom had to make me come to church every Sunday, and she did. She picked out the most uncomfortable clothing in the closet and made me put that on. Yes, you have to button the top button. Yes, you have to wear a tie. Yes, the clip-on is okay. And I had to put on the tightest, most uncomfortable shoes that I had inherited from my older brother that were guaranteed to never fit. But they looked good with the clothes, and so I clopped around in my brother's shoes and counted the boards in the ceiling and found the oldest hymn in the hymnal, one of them even bearing my middle name. And then one day a strange thing happened. We got a new priest. The old priest, who nobody had liked, had to go back to New Orleans where he belonged. (laughs) And the new priest was a man who was very patient and very gentle. We set up a time for all the acolytes to come and train the way he wanted to do it. Not all that fancy stuff that the other guy wanted to do. Things were simple under Father McInnes. And so training, I guess, did not take very long. Mom or Dad were supposed to come pick me up at the church, but they had something going on, I guess, or they misunderstood how long it would take, or maybe it just didn't take as long as they thought. Anyway, I had to wait a long time. All the other guys... And back then they were all guys, all the acolytes were guys. All the other guys left and I was there all by myself with the priest for half an hour. Can you imagine having to talk to a priest for half an hour? I assumed, as you are assuming now, that it would be dreadful. It would be a terrible thing. But Father McKinnis actually sat down with me. I'm sure he had other stuff to do. It was raining, and the rain was coming up on the pane of the window that I was looking through, desperately waiting for Mom and Dad to show up. And he asked me what I liked. And what was my favorite subject? And which one that I liked the least? And before very long, I was having a conversation with a grown man as if I was a real person, too. He really wanted to hear what I had to say, even though I was a bonehead 11-year-old. Can you imagine? I went home from that meeting and told my mom and dad that I wanted to be a priest. I didn't really want to be a priest. I wanted to be Father McKenna. But dad, the engineer, looked at me and said, Oh, no, Key, that'll never work. You have to be good to be a priest. I've dedicated the rest of my life to proving him wrong about that. (laughs) 
So from then on, when people said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would say a priest. It's kind of a gooby thing to say when you're 13, really. All the other kids laugh at you. A priest. When I was 15 years old, I was invited to come to summer camp as a counselor. And even though I was goofy and shy and awkward, I did that. And then after that, one of the girls there convinced me that I should come back for a session in which the campers are mentally and physically disabled. My dad, the engineer, said that I would never make it, that I was too sensitive for that kind of thing, that you have to be a little bit tough, which at the age of 15 was the same as saying, I double dog dare you. And so I went, and it was scary, and I can tell you all about that if you want to know, but it takes a long time. Toward the end of that session, it was raining, and all the campers and all the staff were in this big sort of screened-in porch that we called the rec hall. It was the last day of camp. I'd gotten used to all the sounds and smells and all the quirky behavior of the staff and the campers, and I felt at home like I had never felt at home before. My camper was in a wheelchair with cerebral palsy. And he needed something. We were all in this big crowded room. Some people are over here um, playing dodgeball, of all things, in a crowded room playing dodgeball. Some people are trying to sing the hokey pokey as if it really was what it's all about. Two counselors are, are misguidedly trying to play ping pong in a crowd, and most everybody else was just sort of hanging out. My camper needed some water, some ice, a paper towel, something. And as I got up to go get whatever it was, I looked at all these other people, about 60 campers with mental and physical disabilities, about 30 counselors, high school and college kids, several priests, a nurse, other adults sort of scattered in. And I realized that it was taking me some effort to figure out who was who, who fit into which category, who was a camper and who was on staff, who was old and who was young, who was male, female, who was black, who was white. You people who are being confirmed don't understand that that was a very significant thing in 1971 in Mississippi to not care who was black or white. We had somehow stopped being groups of them and them and them and become us. And I was one of us, the family of God, God's kingdom on earth. And then I knew I wanted to be a priest to capture that moment and make it part of my life. And now you are 11 or 12 or 13 years old and about to be confirmed by the Bishop of Alabama. And who knows what might happen next? Who knows where you will be five years from now, 10, 20 years from now? I don't know. 
But I want to suggest to you that it is a moment to consider being open to love. Hoisting your sail and catching the wind of the Spirit of God. And we do not know where that Spirit might blow you. But faith is the assurance that God will blow you where God wants you to be, if you allow it. If you get all excited about this moment when your sails are filled with the Spirit of God, you might go to school tomorrow and your friends decide that you're kind of gooby. And I tell you, that's a risk you have to run. And if you take seriously, even for just a minute, that loving God is loving other people, even the ones that are hard to love, even the ones that are not popular, even the ones that are look different from you or sound different from you, or just the kids in your class that are not as cool as you are, that's a risk that you have to decide whether you are willing to run. I cannot offer you a certain future. I cannot say today, if you hoist your sails and let love fill them, that 30 years from now you will be successful or beautiful or thin, that you'll have a nice car, that you'll have a nice home. It may be that. It may all be all that. But this does not guarantee that. What it does guarantee is that you will be connected to the vine that Jesus Christ is among us. That you will be part of God's one holy Catholic and apostolic church. That you will offer yourself to love and to service. Now, I've been ordained 30 years and been bishoping for about four and a half. And somebody asked me last week, has it been worth it? Has it been worth it looking back on a goofy kid who was 13 talking to a priest for half an hour? Looking back on a shy, skinny kid who at the age of 15 saw the kingdom of God revealed in love, has it been worth it? Oh yeah. It's been worth it. So, those who are being confirmed, will you please stand? This is something we do at ordination services. This way everybody back there can see that I'm talking to you and I can see who I'm talking to. You are charged today and given the opportunity to offer yourselves more fully, more richly, more completely into God's love and service. It may be at the end of this that you will have just had the bishop put his hands on your head and messed up your hair a little bit and that will be that. And you will have protected yourself from all this other stuff. That's your choice. But you have the opportunity 
to put your walls down a little bit and offer yourselves to love and choose to abide with Jesus Christ. I hope you'll do that. I hope you will offer yourselves to love. And I hope you will help the people around you be more loving and more receptive to the light of Christ as it continues to shine. Thanks be to God. Amen.